0: Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company.
1: 577-2600 is the number. Get that mortgage tuned up or lock in a super low rate and buy a new home, right? Enough with the renting rental rates are through the freaking roof up 25% over the last year. So stop paying a landlord. And uh, get some, get a new home and get some equity. Actually, uh, move towards something. But you got to call Dustin to heart now. 2600 We start the five o'clock hour. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota studios. Danny's helping out here at Nova Home Loans. Candy is here as well. Let's do it.
0: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents
1: the Big Five at five. Number five. Uh, I have to remind myself why I engage sometimes when I know someone is just trolling me on social media. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we were talking last hour about UNLV and basketball and the attendance not being uh, you know too great. And I think it's a, a long time in the making. It's going to take a while to get back where they're going to get 8,000, 10 12,000 plus. Even for a game like UCLA coming up on Saturday. But what I don't need is to have discussions on the concessions aren't good enough at the Thomas and Mac. Guy. I was just having that discussion. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I'll take everyone's feedback. I guess that's important to some people. I seriously, I don't think I've spent in the last 20 years. I'm not saying I've, I've gone to hundreds and hundreds of games, but the games I've gone to, I don't think I've spent more than $50 combined in 20 years. I I do not buy food or drink at games. It's just, It's just not a factor for me. For you, Candy, is it?
2: A factor in whether I go or not are you kidding me if I think the food is too expensive I'll eat before I go if I'm in a setting where it's a social thing I mean I've gone on dates where it's like yeah well we're gonna have a drink at the game right okay so you you suck it up and you pay you twelve dollars a beer and and you move on right but to say that I'm not going to the game because the food isn't good enough because the drinks aren't good enough first of all I'll argue that and say I think the food and drink is fine at the Thomas and Mac I've bought uh They have decent beer selection there. And, uh, you know, stadium food is stadium food. What are you expecting?
1: So our buddy Jeff Grammer, who's uh, the dean of uh, Mountain West Conference Writers, was putting together his early season Mountain West Conference Hoops tiers. Uh, Tier 1, he's got San Diego State and Colorado State. Tier 2, Utah State, Boise State, Wyoming. Uh, Tier 3, Fresno State, New Mexico. Wait a second. And UNLV. Uh, Reno's actually in Tier 4 along with Air Force and Tier 5. Is San Jose State. All right. I'll say, first of all, I know based on results, they're one and four. Let's calm down with Reno in tier four. Uh, Let's also refrain from rotting up over Wyoming. Uh, The UNLV spot. um, Do I think they have the upside to be a potential tier two, even a tier one team? Yes. But they needed to win one of those games against Wichita or Michigan. They didn't do it. So this is still very much a work in progress.
2: I actually would argue the Wyoming piece only to say you got to have Wyoming and UNLV in the same tier uh, because these two teams, if you look at Kempom, they're literally next to each other. They are are smashed together next to each other, 123, 124. So, uh, you know, uh, to me, not having them in the same place at this point of the season doesn't make a lot of sense. And as for the Wolfpack, if we're taking a snapshot of here and now, just right this moment, it's not a good team if you gave me odds
1: on, and I and I you know I like them, but if you gave me decent odds on them making the NCAA tournament, I would still bet them. Not rooting for it, Ooh. believe me. They'll they'll believe me. they'll be in the mix. They have way too much talent. Alford is a good coach. Uh, people like to stomp on his grave, that it really isn't a grave. Um, okay, a couple of questions about UNT basketball. First of all, Bryce Hamilton, kind of a mixed bag so far.
2: Yeah, I love the aggression that we've seen out of Bryce Hamilton. I love the fact that we've been able to have. Other players get involved throughout the course of the game, and then we kind of see the idea of Bryce Hamilton, the closer kick in. But the the problem is it's more an idea than a reality because Bryce Hamilton obviously went out and tested the waters, right? He he got feedback in the NBA draft process. They told him what he needed to come back and work on. They wanted to see the three-point shot improve. They wanted to see his overall efficiency as a shooter improve. And Steve, that hasn't happened thus far. And In fact, there have been some spots where Bryce Hamilton has taken a fairly significant step back uh, through five games. And now let's let's be clear. It's five games, right? You're not going to bury anybody after five games. But the trend is not what you want to see from the UNLV side because his effective field goal percentage is at the lowest point in his career. So basically combine his regular shooting, his three point shooting, his effective field goal percentage is as bad as it's been at any point. Uh, since he's become a rebel, 41.8% this year for Bryce Hamilton. Uh, His three-point percentage, my goodness, uh, right now it's down at 23%, which is by far the lowest number of his career. And the one number that kind of belies what I thought I had seen, and I said I like the idea that Bryce Hamilton was getting teammates more involved, look, it, it absolutely appears that way to me throughout the course of the game. And then you go look at the stats, and it shows that bryce hamilton is taking 39.5 percent of unlv's shots 39.5 percent is the third highest rate in the country and so i get it he's the most experienced player on the team he's the best shot creator on the team but at some point it has to be creating shots for other players too at some point it has to be if you're going to take those shots yourself then you have to simply make more of them than you have. And that hasn't happened thus far for Bryce Hamilton. And I think that's something that's going to hold UNLV back through the course of the season if it doesn't improve in terms of creating shots for others or making the ones he does take. Number four.
1: Got big time basketball going down at uh, T-Mobile tonight. Gonzaga, UCLA rematch. Zags minus seven? Uh listen, putting on his best Lou Holtz impression, Mick Cronin asked about if they're ready for this revenge game against Gonzaga. He said, no, absolutely not. All right, let's calm down a little bit. They're ready. This is going to be a competitive game. Uh, I'm on a five loss streak with my bets, so UCLA, I'm on you, baby! Plus seven.
2: Why won't you listen to Mick when he tells you exactly what you need to know?
1: Because he's, he's fibbing.
2: They're Oh, ready. come on now. They're ready. Come on now. UCLA is going to be ready for this game, of course. No question. But talent-wise, is there a seven-point gap between these teams right now in terms of how they're playing at the moment? Yeah, probably so. Um, I, I just is. don't know how you could come close to touching what we saw out of these two teams last year, uh, one of the best college basketball games of all time.
1: Number three. Boy, little things matter in these football games. It's funny. I was just looking at some video of the uh, Raider game against Cincinnati, the scoop and score that should have been with Dallin Levitt. Did you watch the video of this? And and it's funny, Levitt did play a little running back uh, in high school. He was at, what, Central Catholic uh, in Oregon. Um, He had a chance basically to have a convoy go into the end zone after the scoop, but he did not score.
2: And the way the Raiders' offense has been going in the last three games in which they have not topped 20 points in any of them uh, every possible score, special teams, defense—however you can get it, they need it.
1: there was one of those Casey Hayward's out in front, uh, and he just holds up his hands like, "Why did you cut it inside? Come on!" But that's a thing when you—it's these little things when you start losing. When you're winning, you make the right freaking decision. When you're losing, these things come up, and you know they—in uh, the end, it didn't even look like a competitive game. It was until the fourth quarter, but uh, they wind up losing thirty-two to thirteen. Top two stories. Number two. All right, on to Derek Carr. There's been so much talk the last uh, day and a half or so of Derek Carr and slicing and dicing his game. Rich Gannon, I saw him in a uh, Twitter thread saying, boy, he really liked what Justin Herbert did. You know, Herbert made things happen with his feet when he needed to and that he would like to see Carr do that. Do we want to see Carr do that? And how do we mesh that with a league-leading What is it, 33 fumbles lost now since 2014?
2: So Derek Carr has thrown an interception in four consecutive games now. Uh, And for the Raiders, again, this offense doesn't have a lot of flexibility to be screwing up the way that it has because since Henry Ruggs came off the roster, they have not been able to score. Like I said, under 20 for three consecutive games. So Justin Herbert and the running, First of all, let's start with this. Justin Herbert's 10 years younger, right? Justin Herbert is roughly a decade younger and can take the hits more than Derek Carr can. Second of all, you talked about the fumbles. It's been a part of Derek Carr's game that you have to address. And a lot of that's happened in the pocket. It's not a matter of him scrambling, but we've also seen Derek Carr be willing to take off when he absolutely needs to. So if you're the Raiders and you're thinking about, well, what is the level of issue that I need to fix right now? Is it Derek Carr and his running? No, it's not. It's being able to move the ball down the damn field in chunks. One time, one time when the Raiders were able to get themselves back in the game, they went 20-plus to Waller, 20-plus to Waller, 20-plus to Foster Moreau for the touchdown. Where has that been? Derek Carr hasn't targeted his wide receivers at all in the last couple of games. Henry Ruggs seems to have taken all of the juice out of that wide receiver room with him.
1: What do you think about uh, what Carr said after the game in terms of you know taking the blame on himself? He did throw out a little shot there about, hey, you know, you guys wanted wilder targets, so we check that box. What do you think about the way he speaks after and he's spoken after these last couple of losses and the way Baker Mayfield spoke after, as it turned out, a win? Listen, Baker is younger, hasn't gotten his first you know Derek Carr like contract. Carr got a contract where he's getting you know seventeen to twenty two million dollars at the time. That was a you know a high-level contract what do you think of Mayfield compared to Derek Carr as they're both coming up on the opportunity to get signed potentially by their organization for five or six more years
2: Derek Carr has always been awkward right Cofield it's never come out of his mouth the same way you think that he really means it and it's just never been a smooth situation with Derek Carr so what did he say after the game basically put it on me right put it on my shoulders uh, and that's fine that's fine, is it really on Derek Carr's shoulders with what's happened with the Raiders here over the last three weeks? I don't think so. This is not Derek Carr's fault entirely. You removed his best weapon from the offense. You basically put the hands of the the decisions in the hands of Rich Passaccia, who in some ways has become more conservative than John Gruden. What are they doing? Punting from the plus side of the field in the first quarter against an explosive offense like Cincinnati, that is malpractice. And so on the Baker Mayfield side of things, no, it's never really been quite as awkward as Derek Carr, but it's been strange in a different way, right? It's always seemed like both guys want to be leaders and want to take ownership of their situations, but they kind of seem to pick weird moments for it sometimes. And it doesn't really come out the way that they want it to. And so Baker Mayfield took a different tack this time, right? I think he was trying to go leader and say, well, yeah, I skipped the media availability, but you know what? I don't owe anything to you guys. I owe it to the guys in the locker room. I owe it to my team. And to me, it's it's kind of eyewash, to use a baseball term. Like, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of fake bravado. Because if you're Baker Mayfield, you're really not in a place to say it. Like you said, you hasn't gotten the contract. He has the commercials, but he doesn't have the contract. And I think Miles Simmons, when he talked to us earlier, put it perfectly and said, right now, Baker Mayfield's talking himself out of money because teams need to talk themselves into Baker Mayfield. The performance has been spotty at best, especially this year when he's been trying to play through injury. And so if you're a team trying to talk yourself into, do we want to pay Baker Mayfield 30 or $35 million? These are the things that general managers and head coaches, right or wrong, are listening to. They Are we giving ourselves a headache off the field I don't know. I might think so with the things that I've heard from him recently. Number one.
1: What do we make of the A's talking about buying a parcel of land somewhere in Las Vegas? We then see the news that the use corp would
2: like to give them some land in Summerlin. Where are we with this whole thing? Where we are is getting played And, and we've been getting played for months. And we continue to get played because there is, in particular, one very friendly media source who will run any story that the A's throw that media source's way. And so, for as long as the A's have that outlet, then they're going to be able to keep pushing this narrative of the fact that they might come to Vegas. You want to give them land? Give them land. Look at the Raiders' situation. That land is a small fraction of the cost of what it would take to put this team in this city. Because... Even if you got the land for free, you still have to build the stadium. Who's going to build the stadium? Who? Would the A's be even considering coming here if they have to foot the whole bill themselves? Of course not. They would stay in Oakland. They think they're going to get money here. They saw what happened with the Raiders. They think if they push hard enough that someone will cave eventually. It's not going to happen. And that is me as someone who was skeptical of the whole Raiders situation and had to eat crow on the fact that it ultimately happened. The Raiders are here. They got their stadium and we have the NFL. I'd love to have Major League Baseball. But we're not getting it. We're getting played. And if you keep buying into the story, you're getting played too.
1: Just to clarify, we're getting played. Who's getting played? You mentioned uh one media member who's running the stories, but do you believe our the- collective Let me finish up. Have you seen a lot of coverage of this in the rest of the Las Vegas media? Because we have, we hit on it here and there, but honestly, I hesitate to even put it in the show because I don't really believe a whole lot of it. Like who is getting played?
2: Look, this story is getting national attention. The story about Hughes potentially giving the A's land has been picked up nationally. And at that point, if it's in the national media, then it doesn't matter if you're in Vegas or anywhere else, you're hearing about the story. And so who's getting played? The collective emotions and psyche of any baseball fan who thinks there's going to be Major League Baseball in this city. You're going to get your hopes up for something like this when you keep seeing the chatter about it, when the reality, when you break the nuts and bolts down, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It is the number one story on the RJ, so that's
1: when you're talking about someone being willing to put up a story. uh, That's where it's at. Um, but I do think it's being driven to number one like you just said because of the national link outs I right. really I really don't believe that most people on the ground here media and fans right now believe that this is real that because we because we know what the area is like here right one a major league baseball stadium in Summerlin is kind of an absurd idea it almost seems like a non-starter and the other part of it is, the way sports work today there's going to be a public funding element required people who live here unless they're incredibly distrustful of what you know uh, what just happened distrustful is not the right word um, if they believe it can happen again with what you know the Raiders got I think most people here realize like there's no money so the Raider like deal is not coming so I, I don't know how big a story this is I guess it's good to fan the flames outside the market but I think most people here are like yeah, this kind of sounds the same as we used to get all the time with major league sports. This one is probably not going to be a reality unless the A's come forward and they're like, we're buying this piece of property and we're putting up 95% of a public-private
2: project. All you have to do, if you're someone who lived through what we've lived through, Cofield, and all the times that we got our hopes up before, or even the times we thought we were being screwed with in the past, look what happened with the Golden Knights. It took a very rich human being to decide he wanted a hockey team and then still had to partner with one of the major hotel groups to build the arena. So there's private, private. Then it came to the Raiders. What did it take? It's not just a matter of, oh, the state gave them some tax money, $750 million. Here's what it took. It took the most powerful political force in the state, Sheldon Adelson, pushing this at the legislature. And it also took, even beyond that, tying a billion dollars for expanding the Las Vegas Convention Center to it to get politicians who were hesitant to vote on the stadium to have a reason to say, well, you know what? I didn't necessarily wanna do this for the stadium and for the Raiders, but Tourism Convention Center, I'm voting for the expansion. It's just what comes along with it. It took all of that and it was still a close vote. What do the A's offer that gives people any reason to think that that's happening again? It's the Big Five at
0: Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. 3.4 to
1: go, Rebels with a final chance. Baker front court, Baker gets pushed down, no call, and a loose ball. No. Oh my gosh. The Rebels have the game absolutely stolen from them. That was absolute larceny.
2: <laughs>
0: From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, Cofield and Company is
1: back. Kevin Kruger radio show is coming up right here on ESPN Las Vegas, live from the Orleans. Six o'clock start. So thirty-two minutes away from sixty minutes of running Rebel basketball talk. They're off to a three and two start. They lose in both ends of the tournament. This weekend lost to Michigan. Michigan responded by getting destroyed by Arizona and frankly quitting. Uh, which I kind of enjoyed after Hunter Dickinson acted like the bully on the block against the very small rebels, making all his hand signals and doing all this. And then he freaking, he caved against a very big Arizona team. They've got some talent. Arizona is going to be a force. End of the game situation. You heard John there. Um, You know, watching live, I didn't like the call on Keyshawn Gilbert against Tyson HN. When I went back home and watched the replay, Andy a bunch of times, I didn't I didn't think it was a terrible call. Uh, Keyshawn wrote him out of bounds. Um, and, frankly, Josh Baker, actually, I was kind of disappointed when I watched it because it was a brilliant outlet pass near midcourt, and then Josh dribbled to the three-point line, and I thought sort of created the contact on his own and went down a little too easily. So I, I think there were officiating issues throughout the game at different points, but those two did not really get me too worked up.
2: John Sandler has been a friend for a long time. He's been a, a helpful guy to me in the uh, in the business. And so I say this with all love and respect. Uh, he's completely wrong about that game being stolen from UNLV. Uh, not even close. Um, let's start with the, the foul against UNLV. Cofield, you just said the most important thing. Wrote him out of bounds. I think if the officials have that play in the middle of the court, they probably can let the contact go. The problem is ATN's about to fall out of bounds. Well, how did he get out of bounds? He got pushed. He didn't get pushed hard, but he got pushed. And so you got to call that foul. And on the other end, I'm going to tell you, I was watching this play, you know, uh, watching all of it live. And the Baker play, even, even my first look at it, I thought, ugh, looks like he slipped, right? Like he tried to lean in for the contact. The defender wasn't really there, lost right. his balance, and went down. That's not a foul. There's, I mean, you can argue, you can argue the merits of the foul call against Gilbert. I still think it was the right call. You can't even argue the Baker call. There's nothing there that the the Rebels unfortunately uh, had that one slip away from them at the end.
1: Yeah, I thought, like I said, I thought it was a brilliant outlet pass. He actually beat the defense. It it set up a. It was weird. Because when Baker went to the right side of the floor, the right wing, two defenders followed him, and Royce Ham was running right up the middle of the floor, wide open. Now, I'm not sure if you throw it to him, he can get more than like a 12 footer off. But to me, if you get an outlet pass that good, you got to go towards the basket. You have to try to make something happen, and it didn't. It didn't happen. And the bigger thing for the Rebels, uh, like we said earlier, they got a little one dimensional with a little too much Bryce trying to beat guys with high pick, uh, you know, high pick and roll up top. Um, and you got to play defense. So if the big kid Poto starts hitting threes, he doesn't look like a point shooter, but he is a three point shooter. I don't care how big he is, you got to defend him. And the other one is Tyson A10 clearly was like, all right, you're not going to let me shoot from 22 feet, then I'm going to shoot from 26. Well, guess what you got to do then? You got to defend out to 26.
2: That, that's exactly what I was thinking as I watched it, as they continued to go under screens against him, too. No matter how far out it was, that's the thing. Etienne is showing you. I'm going to shoot from wherever you let me shoot. And so you go Steph Curry on him defensively. And you basically say, "I'm fine, I'm going to run you off the ball no matter where you are. And if one of these other four guys beats me, then one of these other four guys beats me. But you sure as hell aren't going to be the one to do it. And the Rebels didn't make that adjustment in the second half. Coming up. Thanksgiving's around the corner.
1: And once again, I will hold up the Patriots as the team of all the teams in this country that simply hates America
0: with the best combination of service rates and fees. Call today to talk to your local NOVA loan officer to lock in at these record low interest rates before they go up. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. Yo,
2: know, Tom, like, I don't think I'm like quite ready. Like my, my lungs hurt a little bit. I, I, I need like two more two more days of practice and I'll be there, babe. And, and, and Tom's probably looking at him like, Babe, I thought you did well today. You know, you know, we got to keep it going. We got to get better.
0: A lot of babes. TB's a babe guy. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, Cofield and Company is back.
1: The very likable Julian Edelman. Ugh. All right. While we're on the subject of the Patriots, I mean, Belichick is already enough of a sourpuss. I don't know how Linda deals with him. God bless her. What a lovely woman. So we we do the we don't, but the New England media does the whole Thanksgiving thing, which is fine. You know, I, I like the stories. Athletes are like any other human beings. You have your likes and dislikes, but I mean, these guys just hate America. Uh, Mac Jones, and that's a fact. Uh, Mac Jones apparently is an anti pie.er um, He was asked about if he likes apple pie, or I'm going to go with pecan pie. Let's not have an argument about pronunciation. Apple or pecan pie. And Mac Jones comes up with, I don't like pies. I mean, are we serious? I don't like pies? That's the answer? You're not exactly Adonis. You're not shredded, Mac Jones. You you like something along the lines of pies?
2: Why was there no follow-up question to ask him about pot pies or shepherd's pies? Because I get the feeling Mac Jones has destroyed some pot pies in his life.
1: And then the ultimate, Matthew Judon, ready for this one from a Mike Giardi, and I like the way he wrote this up. Matthew Judon of the Patriots just went on a long, powerful rant about how mac and cheese is trash. Says if you put it on his plate, you're going to have to fight but he'll wait until you eat the dish because you'll get sluggish and then whoop your ass. Um, I like fighting over food, and I like fighting at Thanksgiving meals. That is fun to me. But to be an anti-Mac and Cheeser, again, like I question, it's, it's bad enough that you're on a team called the Patriots. I mean, I'll just leave. That's it. You're banned. Anti mac and cheese and anti pie on the same team.
2: You said you like fighting. You want to fight about Thanksgiving? Let's fight on mac and cheese. Let's do this. There is not a Thanksgiving plate in creation that needs mac and cheese on it. Not now, not ever. And Matthew Judon, not only does he come up with a great food take, but he also adds in some hashtag strategy. I'm going to wait until you've got that turkey tryptophan putting you to sleep. You've got that giant mac and cheese rock in your stomach. And then I'm going to beat you down. And you know what, Steve Cofield? You know why you can't come back at it? Because you filled your stomach with salad at a Brazilian steakhouse.
1: I know. know. Matthew Judon will kick my ass if he found out how I ate. And you wouldn't be able to fight back because you'd be full of salad from
2: a Brazilian steakhouse.
1: I was in a food coma today because I I mismanaged the beginning of the Brazilian steakhouse lunch. Um, It was a disaster. I do like uh, uh, something calling itself Alex Barth uh, on this Patriots uh, anti-American theme. Um, Devin McCourty, highly educated fellow, highly educated. Uh, Does Devin McCourty think that Matthew Judon's mac and cheese take will fracture the locker room? I think this is a legit question. Uh, McCourty said no because Judon is the type of guy you just don't listen to. So... I, I'm i guessing this probably is going to fracture this team. And uh, I'm going to make the prediction right now. Uh, they're going to finish 8-9. and nine. They're going to finish 8-9. and nine. They're 7-4 and four right now. I think this Thanksgiving
2: thing is going to tear this team apart. So
1: because the Matthew
2: Judon situation is really interesting, Cofield, because he came over from Baltimore. Like, this is a free agent signing this past year. How did Bill Belichick not vet this before signing him to an up-and-coming team, right? Like, you're potentially putting at risk... A locker room with a rookie quarterback who's not going to be able to hold things together. At least when you had Tom Brady, you knew damn well that he's never eaten mac and cheese in the last 25 years, so he can't even weigh in in the first place.
0: Call Nova today for a VA loan with no lender fees. That's $1,300 in savings. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. up, Graham. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Stick your hand in there, Dave. Right now, if you're on the north side of town, you can stop by Finley VW and visit with the VGK Insider Show. They're there for a few more minutes. Stop by, say hi. Interesting convo on the... VGK front. I actually was listening to uh, 1340 and 98.9 FM today, as I do every day. I listen to all these shows, study, steal stuff. Um, And I heard a promo. And it was a current promo. So that was refreshing. Um, And it was Millard and RTHG going back and forth about the acquisition of Eichel. And Millard was very much on the, the Let's not worry about the numbers. It's fun. Think about the line. It's going to be fun. And the RTHG came in and was the kind of the sobering voice and like, salary cap. I agree with Millard. The possibilities are fun here with Eichel. But there is going to be a time, unless this is like an L.A. Rams situation or I guess a lightning situation from a year ago, where the Knights are going to have to pay the price here, right, with the cap candy?
2: But, Steve, that's for another day. That's going to be in 2022. What are you worried about? Yeah, the the Bills come and do. Uh, The the Knights are not going to be fortunate the way the Tampa Bay Lightning were to bring Nikita Kucherov back just for the playoffs. They're going to have issues sooner than that. Mark Stone's already back. Max Pacioretty's almost back. Jack Eichel hopefully will be back after the Olympics. Uh, You are going to have questions to figure out with this team. And right now, one of the biggest ones, I think, is what do you do with Riley Smith? Uh, Riley Smith has been scorching of late. He's been the Golden Knights best player for the last couple of weeks. And at a time when they need jump on offense, he has provided the jump that very few others have had. But Riley Smith is a pending free agent and he makes $6 million. And you have to think that as painful as it is to think about losing another original Golden Knight, another Golden Misfit, and losing one of your top scoring sources and one of your penalty killers as well. Uh it's a painful thing, but for the Golden Knights there's some pain on the horizon here. It's coming. Jack Eichel makes 10 million dollars a year. Like there are going to have to be cuts to the current roster that you're not going to like to make this work. And so it, it to me, Cofield, it feels like another step away from the Flurry era and another step into the future of Don't get too close to anybody with the name on the jersey.
1: You're not mad, right? I mean, this is reality. That's it.
2: You want Jack Eichel? Yeah. This is the price. Yes. That's it. That's it. Is Jack Eichel a better player than Riley Smith? Yes. Jack Eichel, at his peak, is a better player than Riley Smith. Uh, You don't go get a first-line center and then say, well, what what does it mean if we lose our second-line winger? You, You don't do it. So, no, I'm not mad at it at all. This is business, but that's not what a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans want to hear.
1: Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, I mentioned earlier, I like fights. I'm old. I don't win them. But I like fights. And while it's irresponsible to say this, when I saw the dust-up at the end of the Wichita UNLV game, Candy, what do you think I did?
2: Got in the middle of it. Threw some swings.
1: (laughs) I I didn't get in the middle of it. What? Uh, But I I did. You
2: didn't grab the Uh, sideline reporter from Wichita State and just go, uh,
1: uh, uh. That actually would have been good if I could have found the person, if they had them there, yes. Um, That's a good point. You actually should square up against your equal. Um, You know, I'll tell you what, in football, I'm not going to do that because most of the sideline reporters seem to be former linemen. So that's not, Mm. you know. Uh, but anyway, um, I will. I like, I like. want to get into the middle of the action. I would like to chronicle the story, but I was on it a little bit late. Uh, what I did see is I sprung up out of my seat. If folks didn't see it, at the end of the Wichita State UNLV game at T-Mobile, UNLV was hot under the collar. I don't know what happened on the other side. I get the sense that someone said something and was probably celebrating in exuberant fashion on the Wichita State side. Uh, before I tell my stupid end of the story, did you feel like maybe that could have been handled a little bit differently?
2: And I think, Kofield. it even starts before the actual dust-up because on the Baker play that we just talked about where the Rebels wanted a foul, where John Sandler was screaming larceny, uh, what I saw was two UNLV assistants come charging onto the court. One of them all the way past the free-throw lane to the other side of the court to come after the official. And that is unacceptable. That is something that... Kevin Kruger as a rookie head coach is going to go through some growing pains to learn your team can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Your coaches cannot be charging across the court at officials. And no, it's not me speaking up as a referee being a delicate flower. It's the sort of thing where you do not want to get that reputation among the officials. They will see you again. Those officials will have your game again. You do not want to do that. And so starting from there, now we already have people on the court right now we already have assistant coaches on the court in the first place and it leads into this whole dust up that like you said we don't know exactly what started but what we saw from the other side was Wichita state's head coach very forcefully going in there and trying to get his team back out of the whole thing back to the locker room um, we didn't necessarily see that from Kevin Kruger, but I'm more concerned about how it all started in the first place. And I think as a rookie head coach, probably want to see uh, just a little bit more in terms of keeping the bench under control in that spot from the jump before it gets to the dust up.
1: Right. Yeah, all I saw was the the mix up, everyone gathered midcourt, and then sort of the breakup. I did see Tyson Waterman, who is a 37-year-old assistant coach, on Wichita State is probably the most out of control guy on the Wichita side. He actually had to be escorted off the floor by a player. So at that point, I I just I took the the camera, the phone, and just started walking towards the melee to see if anything would happen. But it calmed down pretty quickly. So it was not a repeat of Reno and UNLV in the end zone a couple of years ago. When, as I've told the story many times, I reached up um, because I'm an adult. I figured, hey, I need to be a voice of reason. I, I like I'm old. Let me teach the kids. I reached up and put my hand on the shoulder of Julio Garcia who is 6'3 and three hundred and thirty five pounds, and then I was like, Yeah, this ain't gonna work. So this ain't gonna work. And it's pretty much the same thing when you walk out on the floor and uh there's twenty one year olds who are, you know, six six and two fifteen. You're you're kind of in that that elbow to the face range, like almost perfectly, so.
2: You, sir, were about to have your Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich moment right there. If you put your hands on somebody sure. like that, that, would have been ugly.
1: I've got a couple of broken teeth. That would have been the, the rest of them getting broken right out of my face. Now, will I learn my lesson and, and not walk towards the melee next time? No. I'm trying to cover the story, man.
2: Capital J journalist, Steve Cofield. I like it. Absolutely. that's what everyone
1: in this market says. You're right. Finally, I get the recognition. <laughs> Stick your hand in there, Dave. Which is why I bring up important issues like cranberry and pickle pie. Do it. A Utah news station puts out a picture of a cranberry and pickle pie. It is a pie filling. Check that. Pie crust, cranberry filling, and then pickles are lining the top of the pie. I, I will try anything. That is that's sweet and tarts out what huh all
2: of those flavors yes yes cranberry and pickle pie yes let's so let's let's go csi on this and break it down the right way um start with the fact that any pie is going to be judged minimum 50 percent and probably more on its crust um so if you have the right pie crust you can pretty much get around any filling you don't like but now here's my question cofield Yes. Pickles on top of the pie crust. Are we potentially damaging the structural integrity of the pie, and the top of that double crust becomes a soggy mess, and now the whole thing is thrown off because I can't properly judge the crust. Cranberry, pickle together, not my first choice, but let's give it a shot. Let's try. Let's be adventurous here. I'm, I'm willing to give it a run. Uh, I, I'm also enjoying the fact that I'm watching Ari get almost physically ill at the idea of eating a cranberry and pickle pie. Like we know that he has the palate of a five-year-old in the first place, but then trying to put him into the spot of saying, oh, would you try this pie of cranberry and pickles? Oh, I mean, for me, it's beautiful. I love his, I love his discomfort, but I, I do think it's, it's fun to watch.
1: Stick your hand in there, Dave.
2: Ari, you're pump
1: faking I, towards I'm the I'm not microphone.
2: adventurous. We know this. I will try some pies here and there, but that, that's just, come on. Okay, Mac Jones, we get it. I defended get it, the guy about the mac and cheese. Love mac and cheese, but like this is just like I said, absurd. palate of a five-year-old.
1: I will put up a poll next week, and we'll see what the people think. Sorry, I just thought of something real quick. I am annoying. I, I'll admit that. Okay, good. What else did you want to talk about? Like I said, I was listening to Fox Sports Radio this afternoon, and it was it was really getting me on, uh, Doug Gottlieb, he had on Jeff Schwartz today and they were talking about Thanksgiving food. And I guess the Schwartz family is pretty big on cooking. And Schwartz went through this whole thing about how he's going to deep fry the Turkey. And he sounded, it sounded pretty impressive. He was talking about the, you know, the, basting and the seasoning and all that. And it was good. And then he said, he goes, uh, the wife's going to make homemade mac and cheese. He starts to describe the homemade mac and cheese and Doug Gottlieb goes, well, is it really homemade? Is she making the pasta? And it was like, dude, come on no one's making yeah. elbow macaroni at home
2: yeah you know i understand though because doug Gottlieb is big on making sure you don't steal any piece of uh any piece of that recipe you know like he wants to make sure that you are not thieving what you should be from other places he's big on that like i understand that he thinks it would be criminal for someone to not make their own pasta I get it i get it i i feel every bit of that from doug
1: you make one little mistake and you never let it go not baguette. when you're
2: a jackass, no. Yeah, like if if you're the if, if you're a jackass like Doug Gottlieb, no, I'll throw it back at you every opportunity I get. Stick
1: your hand in there, Dave. I like the show. Uh last one. Uh, I'm glad you sent this over. We don't have a whole lot of time, but Um, Next year's UNLV football season is going to be really interesting because I I think they showed some major positive signs this year, like sticking together in a season where freaking a lot of things didn't go right and they lost a ton of close games. And for the most part, we haven't really broken down strategy throughout the game of Marcus Arroyo. Next year, we are going to do that. Um, Right. I mean, there's no doubt because this we see a team that has lost six close games. There have been some moves where you're like, "Mm, maybe they would have gotten some more wins.
2: And I think the one you can point to from the San Diego State game is down 21-17, choosing to kick a field goal to get within 21-20. When you had the opportunity to go in there and take the lead, go all out with a two-win team. Go try to win the game. Don't play to be within a couple of points. Go get it.
1: Kevin Kruger Radio Show is on the way. Stick around as the guys are live at Bailiwick. John Sandler,
2: Curtis Terry on
1: the way in minutes.